Hello and welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com. You can personalize your hydration strategy today with electrolytes in different strengths that match how you sweat. You can get 15% off your first order with the code OxygenAddict15. We're also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens Ultimate Daily is an all-in-one daily supplement with 75 vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and digestive enzymes, and they're all whole food sourced ingredients. Listeners can get 20 free travel packs worth over £60 with your first purchase at athleticgreens.com forward slash oxygen addict. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. I hope you're all well this week. I hope you are all dealing with our very bizarre and strange enforced quarantines in various places around the world. Over here in the UK, um, we have been in lockdown for about a week now, and we are in various stages of adjusting to it, I think, although we can still manage to get out and exercise at the moment, for which I certainly am extremely grateful, and I'm sure you, the listeners, are as well. Um, We get some interesting emails and messages in over the last week from listeners and team members and people who have been going down with the coronavirus and what's interesting is that everybody's story seems to be very different it seems like some people have it extremely mild and and they've hardly noticed it some people have had it to the point of you know despite being very fit and healthy people in the 30s and 40s have had it to the point where they've developed borderline pneumonia and have thought they were on their way to hospital um so it's Yeah, it's a difficult time to give generalized advice, but one of the things we've noticed from a couple of our team members who've, who've mentioned that they've had it is it seems as though when you get sick, you don't get sick and feel terrible consistently. It seems like it comes and goes, that you feel all right one day, you feel terrible the next, you feel all right one day, you feel all right for a couple of days, then you feel terrible for a couple of days. And this pattern seems to go on for 13 or 14 days with in one of the instances we were talking to with our team member Laura the other day she said it was the last couple of days of those 14 days where she felt absolutely terrible and thought she was going to have to have herself admitted into hospital so just be aware of that if you come down with that I think this is a disease we do not want to be messing with and if you're of the sort of athletic personality that usually tends on the side of thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all right. I'll power on through. I'll drive myself through this. I'll get back into training. I think this would be a really wise time to take a step back and think, if I'm unsure, I'm just going to have a few more days off. And my standard advice has always been take a couple of days after you feel totally fine again before you get back into training. I think at the moment in this time of coronavirus, my advice is going to be extended out to give it four or five or six days beyond which you feel totally normal again. Get through that 14-day period before you even think about training because the absolute last thing you want to do is end up you know, compromising yourself, putting stress on your heart and your lungs at a time when your body is desperately trying to fight off this infection. Okay. Now that brings me to a little thing that Laura wrote in our Facebook group, actually. And we give a shout out to this company. She said, uh, I wanted to share a story by a pretty awesome company. Pre-outbreak, I'd ordered some products from a specialist skincare company. Some of you might know called Pretty Athletic. I totally forgot I'd had them sent to work and then promptly was evacuated. I queried the order and I got chatting with the owner. And when she realized I had the Lurgy, she sent me this pack for free. 
She's a small business and I really wanted to share the love. Uh, they're amazing products and she's a lovely human. So I thought, you know what? Let's give them a shout out on the podcast. I've got no affiliation with Pretty Athletic, but it sounds like they're doing good stuff for people in a time of need. So nice one. Good for you. Thanks very much. All right. A couple of shout outs to our major show sponsors who I'm extremely grateful for their support at the moment. The first one is Precision Hydration. If you're doing your training indoors, you know how much you sweat. You know it's really important to keep on top of your electrolyte supplements. What you might not know is that different people sweat different amounts and different people have different concentrations of sodium in their sweat. So you can be an extremely heavy sweater or you can be someone who's got an extremely high concentration of sodium in your sweat. Both of these things are going to be problems if you're finding that you're getting cramped when you're training indoors on the turbo trainer. And just from my own personal experience, I have to take a sachet of 1500 precision hydration every time I get on the trainer. If I don't, I'm either cramping up before the end of the session. And if I get spared that, I'm definitely cramping up in bed later on in the day. And I've even noticed at the moment that with doing more turbo training than usual, I've got to be having extra precision hydration. Otherwise, I'm getting cramps in my feet and calves in bed every night. So they are totally keeping my cramp problems in check. I'd be completely snookered without them. And as you ramp up your indoor training, I'm sure you'll notice even with a fan on, you sweat much more than you would do on an outdoor ride or an outdoor run for sure. So make sure you've got a fan on you when you're doing the indoor training. If you haven't taken their personalized online sweat test, you can do that over at precisionhydration.com. And if you've never ordered from them before, you can get 15% off your first order with the code OxygenAddict15. And the second shout out is to a relatively new sponsor, Athletic Greens Ultimate Daily. I think these guys came on board as a sponsor at the perfect time for us because so many people have been emailing me and asking me in the Facebook group about, you know, what advice have you got around trying to boost your immune system? Have you got any products you can recommend? And my standard advice has always been, look, it's in fact, I'm going to shout out here to Aski Yerkendrop, who got a great video up the other day on Facebook. Um, and the advice from there from him and Professor Neil Walsh was the three top things you can take are vitamin C supplement, a vitamin D supplement, and probiotics. It seems like those are the, the top three things, and they're really easy to take care of. Athletic Greens have got tons of that stuff in already. They're the all-in-one supplement with over 75 vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and digestive enzymes in. And I think if there's anything you can take at the moment that's going to help sort of pres preserve and help promote your um, your immunity system, I think we've got to take everything that we can get our hands on and that we can afford at the moment. I'm a massive fan of Athletic Greens. I think it tastes great. It's really easy to mix up with water. You just put one little scoop into your drink in the morning, give it a shake up, get it drunk down, and it's uh, quite a nice little fruity flavor as well to go with it. So listeners can get 20 free travel packs worth over £60 with your first purchase over athleticgreens.com forward slash oxygenaddict. And they've just signed up a whole bunch of triathletes to be part of their triathlon slash Ironman team on board now using Athletic Greens Ultimate Daily. They've got Angela Nath, Ashley Gentle, Marinda Caffrey, Laura Phillip, Imogen Simmons, Sebi Keenley, Josh Amberger, Tim O'Donnell and Tim Don. So if these guys and girls are taking it, you know it's good stuff. So get over and get it checked out. I think it's really great stuff. All right. Over to this week's interview of the week. I've got a cracker for us this week. I managed to catch up with Holly Lawrence. I'm sure a few of you will remember me saying I had an interview lined up with Holly back in 
December, I think it was, late December maybe. It was over the Christmas period. And just on the day we were due to record it, she emailed and said, look, I'm really sorry, Rob. I've been floored with the flu. I feel absolutely terrible. Now, in talking with her after the interview that we've just done, she said, I'm wondering whether I've actually had coronavirus at the time. She said she was uh, she was overdoing 70.3 Bahrain and, and she came down with it just the day after that race and just felt terrible all the way home on the flight and was completely wiped out with horrible chest infection for two weeks afterwards so it's one of those things you can't be sure can you with the lack of testing and with the the lack of knowledge that was around at the time but it might just be that that's what it was for her as well so i'm really glad that she's made a full recovery um holly of course was the 2016 ironman 70.3 world champion last year she won either five or six 70.3s and finished seventh at the world championship 70.3s in nice she's a fearsome competitor um but a couple of years ago one of her seasons was almost entirely written off with a broken foot and now she's just happy to be back racing and training and competing again and we've seen a real I think you'll see a real change in her attitude and the things that she says from the last couple of times we've had her on the show so uh, yeah over to this week's interview of the week with Holly Lawrence. Holly Lawrence welcome to the Oxygen Addicts Triathlon podcast from I've got to say what looks like lovely sunny California as I'm yeah. looking at the ice on the back of my car outside the window <laughs> here this morning. <laughs> it might warm up by the time you're out of corona quarantine. Oh, we shall see. How are you dealing with all of that? That's the first thing. How are you? How are you I mean, obviously, most of our listeners are in the UK. Yeah. Um, so how are things different in California? What's the, what's the lockdown like over there? How's that affecting you? Yeah, I mean, we're pretty much, uh, I think, the same as everyone else. Social distancing and um, all non-essential places are shut. So pools are shut, tracks are closed. Um, and the oceans only got shut um, and the beaches on Friday. So up until Friday, I was still swimming in the ocean and running and riding outside. So I wasn't really affected up until um, that point. So now I'm having to do stretch cord work to kind of mimic swimming and maybe finding like a pool to just put, um, get a tether um, so I can swim on the spot. But um, so it's been pretty easy for me so far. Um, but I mean, everyone's everyone's just dealing with differences right now. So yeah. And what's the what's the general feeling like in the community in California? Because obviously America seems to be very regionalized in its response to to what's going on. Are you noticing significantly less people around on the street and stuff when you're out and about? I would say there's probably more people than I've ever seen out running. And and like California is a really active place anyway. Okay. Um, which like normally it would be just amazing to see. But now you're like, oh, there's more people out. But but everyone's just kind of like, walk, you know, running onto the road, crossing the, crossing the street when there's someone on coming and stuff. And and cycling, you're you know out in the mountains on your own anyway, and that's pretty normal. So, um, but there's just like more people than ever out on the roads. Like, and you're all social distancing anyway. Like that, people aren't riding in groups or anything. And, you'll see some dude going up a big climb and with a medical mask on, which is kind of absurd. But um, yeah, I mean, just people are being a bit more active and that's kind of nice to see anyway. And um, you kind of feel like you're in it together because there's just a lot of smiles to each other, and um, which is quite nice. I know you were noticing it's a lot less traffic on the roads or has it not oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? There's, okay. Yeah, it's crazy. It's You would think it's Christmas Day every day. It's 
because it's like Christmas is the only time that LA is just like dead. There's no cars, and it's just it's so eerie. So at the moment, I guess you're. It sounds like you're all still riding outdoors because there's a lot of. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's a movement necessarily over here, but I think we're further on the curve than you guys are, and the, and there's more awareness around this idea of well, look, let's let's try and minimize if we had an accident the last thing you want to do is yeah so people are kind of it seems like the general and it's happened quite quickly over the period of about a week it's gone from Uh a few people sort of saying maybe we shouldn't ride so much outdoor anymore to now there's quite a strong we should probably all be on the turbo just in case almost it sounds like it's not quite like that over there yet no I mean I feel it's definitely a mixture I'm probably riding more indoors um than the usual week um and like I'm doing my track session on the treadmill now just because it's easier like because without a track you're doing it out on the roads and it's hard to you know measure everything out and it's just hard to get something that's totally unobstructed and um and it's kind of nice to do it on the treadmill on Dilton Zoyft. And I actually did a dinosaur run with. I was going to say, I saw this thing on the other Saturday. Day. Did you see that? Oh my God. I saw it some screenshots. So, yeah. So, so what funny. was the deal about? All the avatars were dressed up as like big dinosaur suits. Yeah. So if you've seen those like dinosaur suit races, they do. And they're like yeah. but in real life and they're like heads are like, like nearly taking <laughs> them out. And that is, it's just like hilarious. Well, like, so there was a four mile like race and Mo Farah was there, like Jan, Lionel, Lucy, Meredith, like tons of um, pros. And like, there was like 500 runners, which is like pretty good numbers for running anyway on Zwift. Um, and it was like a race. So you're like booking it in these like dinosaur suits, but it, cause it <laughs> like matches your like cadence, like your avatar matches your cadence. So like right, okay. everyone, everyone's like stretching on the start line and someone's just like with these little t-rex arms like (laughs) booking it it was just so funny it does seem like that was a a really fun thing too i've not i've not tried running on the treadmill on swift yet but the people who have have said there's kind of a there's kind of a really fun element to it yeah it is and like there's people like mo who you'd never you'd never get to run with or try and hang on to or you know even be on the same track as him so like things like that just makes it a bit more fun and people can be social. And even if they're going for a walk on the treadmill, they can have their Zwift companion app and be like chatting to somebody, which right now you can't do in real life. So, um, yeah, just something to make it's it funny, fun. It's funny to me that you, you have the same reaction to running with Mo Farah that other people have to running or riding with you on Zwift. You're going, it's Mo yeah. Farah. And everyone yeah, listening to this is going, I rode with Holly Lawrence on Zwift. <laughs> it's yeah. like the six degrees of separation of sporting celebrity, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> I'm do actually do a, lot a your... coffee ride after this. Um, just like an easy chatty ride I do on a Monday. Because Monday's my recovery day. And um, I do it. And some people, because some people don't use their app, so they're not really chatting. But they can see it on the screen, so they enjoy like p- other people engaging. And then there'll be like a few people that are super engaged and kind of take that time to just ask a pro like anything that, you know, they never have that time with you. And I always get a really good response from it. So I keep it going just because it's kind of fun for that. Yeah. Yeah. How many people do you usually get on that ride then? Um, It can differ. Um, 
I know the times change now in the UK, so it might be make it a bit different, but like 150 usually wow. to 200. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. So I'll tell you what, after, after we've done the interview then, tell me when that is. We'll work out what the time difference is and I'll put it in the show notes so people can can work out when that is because it probably well we're, we're six o'clock here now so it's probably going to be seven and or eight o'clock it's like you 705 can, your time because you did you just okay. go through the time change yeah yeah it yeah, just yeah, happened. yeah yeah it was 605 i think last week and now it's 705 because right, well, it's 1105 my time you heard it here first listeners yeah you can ride with holly I lawrence mondays at which you can't, you can't see. <laughs> like everyone's You're actually ready to go with a minute. I, I over. I've got my socks and cycling shots, which you can't see under the table. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. All right. Listen, let me, let me go back over your last year for you. Okay. I'm going to yep. click over onto my note screen over here. Cause we talked almost exactly a year ago. Oh, okay. And actually I re-listened to the interview as I was driving to Tesco to pick up my shopping earlier on today. <laughs> and in that I was niggling you and saying to you, what do you think the chances are of you picking up this million dollar prize for winning the the triple crown? So it was the 70.3 world champs, Bahrain yeah. and what was the other one? Was it Abu Dhabi, the third one. Dubai. Dubai, yeah. Um and you won two of them and you got second in the third. So you were you were right there in the end. It was it was a yeah. close one. Well, so 70.3 Wells is the second one. So you always feel like, okay, you're like buying your lottery ticket in Dubai just by showing up and okay, if you win, like, okay, now like, you know, you've got one number or whatever it is. And, um, but then 70.3 Wells is 70.3 Wells. It's, you know, one of the, it's the hardest yeah. race for 70.3 out there. And, and as well this year, it was so last year it was so different with the course that it wasn't just especially on a bike it wasn't just like two you know whatever power you can hold for two hours and then whatever you can run off that it was like an hour-long climb and then it did technical descent um so that I like I knew it was always kind of like I'm not I'm not a great descender um so it was always going to be a challenge for me so I would kind of you know, the million was definitely in the back of my mind, like not, you know, just kind of, I'm in it just in case, but 70.3 worlds is just a whole game in itself. So, so that was, that was the thing you really wanted. And and how did, from memory, we've gone back a while now, aren't we? From memory, I remember sitting and watching this while I was on the turbo and there was mm. all kinds of fireworks went off actually on it the was, climb itself. It was a crazy race. First of all, it was great we to all watch. Oh, I bet it was so stressful to be in it. <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> Jesus, um, like we all came out together on the swim, and that is just unheard of. You know, like Daniela's right with us, like, and everyone seemed to be together. Like it was just, and and Lucy wasn't too far in front. Um, so and I'm not used to like that much company, and it was just you know everyone's kind of making moves and. Yeah, it was, it was just insane. So there's just like, yeah, firework after firework. And I remember on the climb when I hit the front and I just didn't look back thinking like, okay, pop, pop, pop. Like people are going to pop off the back. And like no one did. And it was just like, yeah, just, you just had no idea what was going to happen. Had you done much pre-riding of the course before race day itself? I mean, obviously you knew what to expect. Yeah, I was there. So I did 
um, 70.3 European champs and then went straight to Nice and spent a couple of weeks there just to like wreck you the course and like, and so my coach came out as well. Um, and we just did the descent a ton of times because the descent was like the biggest thing for me. Um, and it would have been a hell of a lot worse. Like I would have lost a hell of a lot more time if I hadn't been there and kind of doing that course and doing the descent. So I was happy. I was happy. It was like the best I could have done and I gave it everything. So I walked away with that, you know, super happy. Yeah. 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 Well, for people who, I think it's hard to describe that course for people who haven't ridden it or, or even seen the whole thing live. Cause in the highlights, they kind of showed you all starting the climb and then they showed you coming back onto the promenade. Uh, okay, and I was like, yeah. I was like, Oh, well that kind of misses the point of the fact you're climbing uh, for like the best part like of an hour. Like right. The flat bit leading to the climb. <clears throat> I think it was something like 10 K. So six miles. That's right. And then you're straight on the climb and it starts with this super, super steep bit. So Did you go up that really steep one they have in Ironman mm. France where it's like a yeah. it's like a back alley almost and it's about yeah. one in six? It's hideous yeah. that, isn't it? I think yeah, that so it it began like on a really steep and then and then after a while you hit Col de Vance, which is like the main like meat of the climb that's just I don't know, that might be ten K. Um but I remember even in the short climb, like my plan was to let other people go. And my power meter popped off straight away as I left transition. And I was kind of like, yep, this is a good thing. Like, I don't want to know what I'm doing. But like on the, on the initial climb, I just stuck with what I knew and like let people go, which felt awful because you don't really know, like you just hope that they're going too hard. And then you know, lo and behold, a few of them, like Lisa Norden, who's, you know, stellar cyclist and a couple of other people that kind of burnt them. And like, it was just like so many tactics, like people are making moves and then it's like blowing up or whatever. And then it's just this crazy descent. And like, how many of the guys like crashed off the side of the mountain? Like it was nuts. And then it was only like, so there was like an hour long descent as well. And that's that's one of the interesting things about that race, isn't it? In that it's downhill, but it's not it's not so downhill that you don't have to ride. It's almost like a, yeah. a motorcyclist's descent, isn't it? You've got to be comfortable going into bends at 50, yeah. 60, 70k an hour. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was just like I was definitely probably to Danielle losing a couple of seconds, like every corner. Um were you impressed with her bike handling going downhill? Was, was, it, that, was it a big? Were you impressed with her bike handling going downhill? Was it a big um, differentiator? I expected that. I expected that just because I, I've just been aware of her like descending skills um, and aware of my descending skills. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, like it was as best as I could have done, and there were people a lot worse than me and it was just that I lost that time to Daniela and you know she was just headed above of all the other girls skills um and then I had my only move out of T2 just to try and eat into that time which I did in the first 5k and then just was struggle street all the way home well I wanted to say on the run it looked like 
and I might be reading too much into it here, but the last couple of Ks of that run, it looked like you'd just gone for it right out of T2 and you just thought it's all or nothing. Yeah. I want to win. Yeah. Or I don't care if I finish 10th. And I remember seeing somebody past you with about a K to go, someone who you must have lapped, right? Yeah, so Ellie Salthouse. That's right. just before she was obviously going on to her second lap and I had no idea. And I thought she was like passing me as if to like pit me to the finishing shoot. And I was like, like dumbstruck, like, oh my God, how did this happen? But I had nothing. I couldn't respond. It was like, I was just this desperate, like, if anyone passes, this is, this is it. This is all I've got right now. Because coming out of T2, it was like, if I'm going to make, if I'm going to challenge Daniela and that's who I, you know, cared about, it was like, this is my only move. So that's what I gave, and <laughs> and it didn't yeah. pay off. And, <laughs> and I did. Well, you gave everything she, you could, right? Kind of like could see me. I'm like looking composed and whatever, even though I'm just like killing myself. <laughs> I remember so clearly seeing Ellie pass you, and it literally was within a couple of hundred meters of you turning yeah. off to go down. It was the literally shoot. just before the finishing shoot. Yeah, yeah, and you had a look on your face that was like, was who's this? Like, <laughs> Where did she come from? I was sitting there going, she's a lap behind. It's all right. I, I was just like, how did nobody tell me? Like, how <laughs> is this possible? She came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so looking back over last season then, obviously you really wanted to win the 70.3 World Championships again. Were you happy with your season despite having... You know, what was your what was your view of Nice after you finished it? Were you happy that you'd given everything that you had? Oh, so happy. And but that's the difference with me. I never like I never say I want to win this race because that would be me like controlling what everyone else is doing. Like I can and that's the way like I feel like I just get the best out of myself. I can only control my effort and if that's good enough to win, great. But if that's good enough for second, it has to be the same feeling from myself as being happy from it and everything. And like, because otherwise you just get so fixated on winning that you're losing sight of what you're doing. And like, I just won't get the best out of myself. So I'm really shit for giving like pre-race interviews for people because they want to be like, oh, you're going for the win, blah, 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 blah. And I wouldn't say it. I'm like, I just want to swim, bike and run as fast as I can and then I'm going to be happy. And it sounds really shit, but that's, that's just how I am and that's how I get the best out of myself. And if I change, I'm going to be, you know, racing a lot worse. Well, I think it's great because you get the best out of yourself by driving yourself to do the best you can do and other people mm -hmm. help you get more out of yourself. It's Definitely, not like yeah. your world ends if somebody beats you, which is the case yeah. for a lot of athletes. I've interviewed people yeah. at race finishes who have been in tears the minute the record is over because they got beaten, even though they've had a good race. So yeah. I think that's super healthy. That's, well, there's, there's always going to be people that come out. And I suppose that's the thing as well with like hierarchy. Like there's always going to be people that you, you're like, oh, I beat this person. I can beat this person. But you have to be prepared for you know, anyone can move up and stuff and, and a lot of athletes can't deal with that and then kind of crumble that they're pushed by certain people. And I think my background in sport growing up as not being the talented one and not getting the initial success that I kind of learned to be okay with that, that initially that sucked, but in the long term that kind of paid off because 
I then had this like growth mindset of just trying to be better for myself instead of looking for, you know, whatever qualifications, gold medals, whatever that was the like final outcome and not being kind of, you know, that that's not my worth, like just being happy for what I've given it and, and, and actually leading up to 70.3 worlds, I was working with a psychologist um, and still since. Um, and that's really something that helped me like, because I was kind of, this descent had such a big thing with me to just, instead of me kind of then being fixated, like, oh, I'm going to be worse than other people. And, you know, I just had to be proud of my effort doing everything I could do. And that kind of changing that mindset really helped. Awesome. What was your what was your favorite race that you did last year? All of them. Um, probably Vietnam, 70.3 Vietnam, even though while I was in it, because it was straight oh, yeah, so it was straight after St. George. So I flew like the next day um to Vietnam. So it was regional to regional off you know weekends and we get put up in like this fancy pants hotel in vietnam in the hyatt have this like resident suite um my cousin came to stay with me um and it was just like a whole lot of fun and i'd never been to vietnam and it was just so different and yeah it was just a hell of a lot of fun even though during the race i thought i was going to die because um, of all the like local people on motorbikes and stuff just coming out of nowhere. I lost my voice because I was screaming the whole bike ride, thinking this is how it ends. This is how I'm going to die. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was, was it as bad as yeah. that? Oh, it was, yeah. I mean, I'm probably not allowed to say this, but I think, but I would go back even, even though it's pure carnage. But then it was different because I was like, the men went first and then there's a big gap. And then it's me. So I feel like if you're kind of like afterwards, maybe the locals will know you're coming. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe if you're in that initial batch with the lead car or the lead motorbike. <laughs> yeah. Here's the way a little bit for you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So it, it sounds like, and again, I'm reflecting on having listened to our interview from a year ago. You talked there a lot about how you were just coming back at the time from the, the foot injury. Mm. You had a, busted up navicular which is interesting in itself because since then i've interviewed um oh my mind's gone blank somebody else who had an injured navicular simone mitchell so nice? simone's um she's a first year pro she won she came out yeah. to the outlaw last year and she finished like third or fourth overall she went like 905 at the outlaw and then she won oh, ironman wales um awesome Ooh. awesome athlete she's like she's won um Ironman world champs in Kona at age group level. Really lovely. You oh, get okay. on with a house on fire. Um, and she'd gone through the same thing. So she was having treatment for this. And it's only, I only put two and two together listening to your interview again with you saying, oh, you know, I was in a cast for six weeks or was it six 12 weeks? weeks? It was like three months. 12 weeks. Yeah. And you yeah. had your foot in a plastic bag and you were swimming with. Yeah. I had you were to swimming like with a pump boy. And a, yeah. I had to deal with that little old ladies that would tell me their horror stories of their broken bones and how they're never been the same again. I would 
wipe out on the swim deck with in my crutches and yeah, oh, miserable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were saying at the time I feel like you felt as though it was like a second chance. You'd come back and everything was a bit more fun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and you were enjoying it a bit more. And that's really noticeable, the difference with you now to how you were a year ago. It seems like everything's much more of a a bit less pressure on you almost. Yeah, I mean, so I I went from like being nobody, you know, leading into 2016. I've won maybe, you know, a couple races, but still kind of like an underdog. No sponsors really, uh, except for Cliff. They were kind of with me from the beginning, um, although obviously I had like smaller um, level of support. Um, and then won 70.3 Worlds and then had sponsors and stuff. And then this pressure of me feeling like, I didn't want to be a bad investment. I didn't want to let people down. And that's when I kind of crumbled a little bit and then kind of, you know, DNF'd in 17 because, you know, I was winning races all year and then, and going way too hard. Just, I just was like out of insecurity, not, you know, and kind of losing what kind of made me who I was kind of from the beginning. And then, the injury kind of just like made me go from ground zero again. Like I do this because I love it and be having, having the injury kind of made me more realize that this is, it's going to end sometime and I'm not going to, and I just have to make the most of it when I do. And I know freaking love it. So like, there's no point torturing myself you know, putting more expectations or pressure or anything. And, um, and like all my sponsors stuck by me through the worst time of my injury when I wasn't performing and I, you know, I didn't even look like an athlete. I gained weight and whatever. And, and so, I don't know, it just gives you a better perspective. So I'm really grateful that the injury happened, even though it sucked at the time. Yeah. It, it's interesting to hear you say this because obviously you said at the time, you know, my whole perspective is different now. I'm doing this much more for the love of it. It's interesting that that has got even deeper a year later because it would be Mm. very easy to get caught back up in the whole, I must win, I've got pressure to win, people are paying me to win. But it sounds like you've gone even further down the path of I'm doing what I enjoy and that's bringing you the results on the back Yeah, and I, I think definitely working with a sports psychologist and that was something that I did last year. Um was also like honestly life-changing like just dealing with overall kind of life perspectives and really really looking at yourself hard which I feel like it just like you have to go through that like peeling back layers and you can't just force it and at first you're not really being 100% honest with yourself and it's just like a really freeing kind of process and something that I would recommend anyone Again, it's super interesting you say this because we had an interview with uh, Lucy Gossage on a couple of weeks ago and she had worked for the last couple of years with a sports psychologist called Helen Davis. Mm. And they've put together a sports psychology package called Iron Mind, which is all about the stuff that Helen did with Lucy to help. You know, she was going through a similar thing that you were. It sounds Mm. like she felt pressure to perform. And so they've turned this into like a little online package. Well, not a little one, a big six or eight video package with resources and and it's super interesting to hear people at the very top end of the sport saying do you know what 
psychology and therapy and all those things they're really helping me it's making me a yeah not just a better athlete but a better person who doesn't necessarily mean I'm not going to take part in sport anymore but I've got a clearer understanding of why I'm doing it and what's driving me mm. yeah and even even the way of like the way you train you don't realize you know it all comes into play like I grew up from a swimming kind of background where you're just trying to like please a coach and you'll just kill yourself and like me having that kind of coaching relationship was almost dangerous and I didn't really I blamed coaches before for kind of mismanaging me um you know coach before Matt Dixon that I came over to America for um and I would be in like one hole after the next after the next because I was so emotionally kind of invested in my training being like, okay, but it was like, you know, fluctuate on a daily basis. Like I'm good. I'm bad. I'm good. You know, you're just like using that to kind of validate yourself and coaches recognition. And, and it's kind of dangerous to the point that then when I was injured, um, I found my new coach, which I've been with other coaches since that, um Dean Golich who now coaches me and at first I remember like he wasn't giving me any feedback and I was like is he even looking at my training like am I okay am I like and he's like yes you're doing it like it's good and I think like him in a way and I didn't even realize I needed it at the time but since you know doing my work myself and I was like it was just you know perfect because I then trusted myself more instead of needing a coach's validation and kind of, you know, and that it would just be dangerous that I could put myself into these kind of like holes, like fatigue holes that I call myself. Um, and, you know, even sometimes before a race, he'll text me and say, Hey, like, are you ready to chat or whatever? And I'll be like, Oh God, I totally forgot about you. And he's like, just what I want to hear. But because he's kind of, almost teaching me to understand and, you know, not need him so much. And it's been, it's been a really good thing for me. Awesome. That's, that's really good. Yeah. You live in a really good place. I've got to say, you look, yeah. you look really happy and content and it sounds like you're really <laughs> loving what you do, which is awesome. Yeah. Do you have I some mean, questions from the listeners? Yes. Yeah. That'd be great. All right. First one from Johnny Conway. He says, we need to talk about the swimsuit, Holly. Everyone else is wearing high-tech <laughs> everyone else is wearing high-tech skin suits and gaining watts. You're obviously known for being a very strong biker. What's the deal with this with the old school swimsuit? Well, one, I would like to see the data of myself with what the watt saving could be. And two, um, I really like riding in a swimsuit because I don't like my legs feeling like one, if you have like wet, like lycra or whatever it is, I feel like your legs take longer to warm up out of the water. Whereas like your skin heats up way quicker. And it's just like nothing to get in the way that I just, I prefer the feeling of it. Um, Cause like even when I'm in bike shorts, I'm always like hiking them up. So it doesn't feel like it's like constricting my quad and I get some like numbness sometimes down my hamstring. Um, so yeah, it's you kind just of like it. That, the, that answer is okay. I, I just like it. it. And at first, it was kind of so. I did it first in seventy point three worlds and sixteen because there was this company that made me a suit, 
and it was like bright pink and I was like well I kind of love it like shall I do it just for fun just to kind of take the piss and I was like my ass is going to be out and it'll make me run faster um and then I just kept it because it kind of yeah I don't know lucky lucky totem We'll yeah. have a chat later about the aero data. We'll talk later. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> All right, next question. Um, where are we? Okay, William Anderson says, what's your favorite box set on TV at the moment? Topical given the current lockdown situation. Um, so the thing I just watched, um, Tiger King, have you watched that? Oh, that is brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, you watch one episode and you're like, these people are batshit crazy. And then it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. I've only seen episode one so far. Oh, but... my God. It's it's pure gold. Like, everyone is absolutely insane. It's just this a story that you just couldn't, in your wildest dreams, make up. If on Burgundy yeah. worked, walked into the middle of one of those episodes, you wouldn't be surprised, would you? No. It just, it, it's just unreal. Yeah. It's amazing. Have you seen when any finish- music videos that have come out from it? <laughs> no. Oh, oh, you need to watch further. <laughs> have you seen the tweet that came out today of someone superimposed Donald Trump's face on, on the Tiger King? But you'll know why if you keep watching. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> see it's not even okay. that funny to you yet you think it's funny but it'll be even funnier in like three episodes time right okay well we'll leave it there then everyone else who's not <laughs> yeah. seen it yet has to watch as well <laughs> right and so don't tweet you any spoilers <laughs> simon Maguire says if you had to pick one swim drill that has had the most impact on your performance what would it be i don't do too many swim drills but probably just catch up just to like focus on one one catch at a time and like really making sure that you like push out the back okay that and and swimming with a floaty a floaty boot for 12 weeks no i think i think i would have been better just not swimming if i could i was gonna say was it weird afterwards i really like my body position totally changed and it was a while which that's something that i would i tell anyone that goes through it like stop trying to hold on to your fitness that's gone leave it you're going to be fine it comes back really quickly look after your head keep doing whatever you want to do to keep it fun and don't just like like drilling myself every day to go to the pool and like it was the worst thing to do but but if you're going to enjoy that then do it but you know in in hindsight it really really doesn't matter good advice all right um simon turner says I know the answer to this one, having just seen that shot outside your window. Why does she like Santa Monica, California so much? Is the base going to provide the platform for the next step to the world? Yeah, is it mainly weather and and the fact it's just beautiful all the time? Yeah, I mean, the weather... Like, so Swansea, where I used to live in the UK, was beautiful. I loved it. And on a sunny day, you could be like, I could be anywhere in the world. Like had the Welsh National Pool, great training, great facilities. But the weather was, you know, just, it could just be weeks of rain. And and here that I never look at the weather forecast. Like it's, 
all year round, because I used to kind of dream of being like chasing summer, you know, like the, when I used to race for like French Grand Prix, there was a lot of Aussies that did Aussie summer and then European summer. Um, but like here I can just, you know, all year round, I don't have to go on like one training camp, kill myself for two weeks and then like recover. It's just like, it's just a consistent training base that training is great. Get to swim outdoors and get a town while I'm swimming which makes a big difference. And the mountains here are amazing for cycling. Nice. All right. And then last question um, from Richard Payne. What race are you most proud of and why, even if it wasn't a win? Proud of and why? First of all, is that a real last name? Yes. That's a good one. P-A-Y-N-E. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, most proud of what I feel like Malulabar is probably the race I was most proud of just because I had no idea going in and it was kind of I just had to race on my own and not worry about everyone else and and I guess just what it led into, but, and, and also a race that I was really, really struggling with in last year in Oceanside. I was just having a really, really bad day for myself. Um, like on the bike, you know, biking like 20 watts lower than I would normally be and just killing myself. And Daniela was at Oceanside and I was just, and it wasn't even because of her. And I, I really thought about quitting as I was coming into T2 and even as I was out on the run, I, I like said, I shouted to my boyfriend, Sean, like, I'm done. Like, as in like, can I quit almost? And he just looked at me and went, why? <laughs> and I was like in second place, obviously. And, and like, I just sort of like got over myself and like ate my pride a little bit and, and like just trucked it out and still, you know, I was fine. I was fine to run. It was just, it just was a shitty day. And it wasn't a performance that I was proud of myself because I knew I could have done better. And, and afterwards I was just like proud of myself to stick it out. And that was a big like slap in the face of, you know, for myself, like never ever like think about doing that again, no matter how, how bad you feel. Cause it, you know, it's still, still finished second within, you know, I wasn't pressured to with lots of people, you know, on my tail kind of, so yeah, probably that. That's the one that's on video, isn't it? That I think the Swift made a, a short movie of it. I think I yeah. remember seeing that on YouTube. Yeah, and, yeah. And they're right there as you I think you even shout that in front of the camera and your boyfriend's right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it was all captured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No hiding from that one, hey. No. Right, and, listen, and it was a bit more emotional anyway, because it was a year to the day after I broke my foot. And I kind of, it was like, I wanted a, I wanted to like prove for something and yeah. And I, yeah, it was just, but yeah, that was in the rear view. All right. Last one from me then, and then we'll wrap this oh. up. So obviously there's, there's a whole disruption going on at the moment and we don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen in the future. 
And I think I already know the answer to this actually, but what is it that keeps you training every day at the moment with no sort of no immediate races on the horizon? I love training if I was training for racing or not. So yeah, it sucks that, you know, there's no, cause I love, I love going away to see different places and race and everything. And that's when you're really testing what you're training. Um, but I know, I know we will be racing again. We just don't know when. Um, and so for me to keep things as normal as possible and, you know, I get out riding or even when I'm indoor riding or whatever, I, I forget the whole thing's happening cause it's just normal to me. So, um, yeah, just like keeping grounded in what makes me happy and just the normalcy I can keep to this. Brilliant. All right. Well, you've got a Zwift ride to get to. So we'll I do this up. a little bit of time. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. Um, we wish you all the best and I hope that uh, things return to normalcy for all of us really pretty soon. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. Pleasure. We'll speak to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks. All right, great stuff. And that just about brings us to the end of this week's show. I want to wish everybody a lot of happiness and health and I wish you the best for all, you know, for you and all your family at this difficult time. Thanks out to our sponsors, Precision Hydration. You can use the code OxygenAddict15 for 15% off your first order. Over to athleticgreens.com forward slash oxygen addict. You can get 20 free travel packs worth over 60 pounds with your first order. If you're looking to get a home blood test done to find out what's going on inside your body, you can use the code oxygen addict 50 for 50% off your first test at thriver.co. And um, yeah, if you're looking for triathlon coaching at this time, get in contact with us over at teamoxygenaddict.com. Now, remember, there's links to all of these in the show notes. um, So you don't have to remember our sponsors. there. just click on the links in the show notes. And yeah, until next week, have a great, safe training and racing week. And if you want to join us on Zwift, Tuesday nights, 7.15 p.m. UK time. You can just find us there in the Zwift events link. Uh, It's the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast podcast power hour come and join us for some fun 80 percent of ftp intervals to stretch your legs a little bit whilst maintaining your immune systems all right guys i'm coach rob Wilby, and you've been listening to the oxygen addict triathlon podcast until next week see ya